Nothing But The Words, episode number 16, Six More Ways to Write Better. Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, and welcome to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. In episode number 15, I gave you five ways to improve your writing. And in this episode, I'm going to give you six more ways to write better. These are all simple changes you can make to improve your writing, but I encourage you not to focus on these tips when you're writing the first draft. Instead, apply them when you're revising that draft. Over time, these kinds of tips and strategies, they'll just become a habit. The more you practice them, the more likely you will be to do them on autopilot and you will have much less rewriting to do, although rewriting is always a part of the great writer's life, always a part of the good writer's life, always a part of any writer who cares about their work. It's a part of the process. So I will state the obvious and say my voice is extremely tired today as I record this podcast. While I know a lot of people are in a position where they are craving human contact as we are six or eight, depending on where you are, weeks into our stay-at-home orders, a lot of people are craving human contact, but I am having plenty of human contact. Uh, My voice is tired from talking all day. I'm on back-to-back Zoom calls and occasionally phone calls with my clients. Most of them have gotten to the point now where they are actively engaged in writing their books. So we're talking about their content and I'm doing more office hours and coaching calls for my group coaching program, Short Books, Big Results. So my voice is a little exhausted, but I want to share these tips with you today. They're important and you'll be able to use them for as long as you are writing things, books or anything else. So these are not fundamentals of good storytelling. I shared those, some of those in episode 12. These are really more about the mechanics of writing. Improving your writing skills does, by extension, make you a better storyteller simply because your writing is more coherent, but we're not focused on that. We are focused in this episode on how you can just write better. And that's for anything from emails to blog posts, to social media posts, and most importantly to me, your book. Let me also add this. If you hire a good copy editor to edit your book, which you absolutely should do before you publish a book, Your editor will catch a lot of this for you. These are basic writing hiccups or writing mistakes that any good editor would notify you of and suggest that you change. But you really should not depend on that. A copy editor is not there to do rewrites for you. Um, A copy editor is really there to make your best work shine. And the better your manuscript is when you deliver it to to the editor, the better your end result, your final product, your published book will be. So I always coach my clients to make their writing the very best it possibly can be before they send it to editing. Yes, that requires rewriting, but rewriting is a part of the process. And these tips, if you apply them, will make that a lot easier. In the case when you're writing something that's not going to be professionally edited by someone else, 
Most of the things we write aren't. Blog posts, emails, newsletters, we usually edit them ourselves. You can still review your work by taking these things into consideration. Now, are there exceptions to these rules that I'm going to share? Of course there are. But breaking the rules before you master them is a rookie mistake and you are not a rookie. So let's dive in. Tip number one to write better is to cut phrases like, I believe, I think, and I feel when you're expressing your ideas. So take, for example, I believe we should stop shopping in big stores. That's just not as strong as we should stop shopping in big stores. If you believe it, then state it as if it's a fact to you. Your readers are not stupid. They know that this is your opinion, your philosophy, your version of events, whatever it is that you're talking about. But they want to hear you state what you believe with conviction. And when you use those phrases, they almost sound like you don't want to own what you're saying. Imagine, for example, you're reading a book on climate change and you're trying to understand what that is and and all the things about it. And it's written by a renowned scientist who claims to have studied it for years and has all these great letters behind her name. And she starts out by writing, I think the climate is changing. Would that sound convincing to you? To most readers, that would come across like it's her opinion, And the author would lose credibility instead of just saying the climate is changing. If you say, I feel we need a new president, that's an iffy statement. It's an iffy use of the verb feel because we don't feel our thoughts, but it also lacks authority. Just say we need a new president. When you state it that way, you are taking a stand. You're offering your opinion as one that you're willing to stand behind. Nobody wants to read a book filled with wishy-washy ideas and opinions, so stand behind yours. Tip number two to write better is to eliminate double words. The most common instance that I see of unnecessary and sometimes irritating double words is the use of had. For example, she had had the dog for 10 years. If you find that kind of word repetition in your writing, Just rewrite the sentence. You could say she had owned the dog. She had cared for the dog. Ten years had passed since she brought the dog home. There are nearly infinite ways to rewrite the sentence. And you should do that not because had had is grammatically incorrect. In that situation, it's not. But it reads awkwardly. And when readers stumble over words or phrases in your book, they are likely to stumble away from your book. We have so many things pulling on our attention right now, not just now, but just in the age that we live in, right? With technology and the internet and all the things we could do or watch or read online. They don't have to stay in your book. So when you do things like that, the reader may not even notice what it is that's causing them to stumble, but they may stumble and they may stumble away. Or it may just be someone like me who has a pet peeve about the had had and the unnecessarily repeated words. So just be aware of it. It's a super easy thing to find and a super easy thing to fix by rewriting the sentence. Tip number three is to avoid fancy punctuation unless you know how to use it and you need it. So by fancy punctuation, I just mean anything that is not a period, a comma, a question mark, uh, maybe an apostrophe and quotation marks. Anything beyond that is not necessary to write a book. 
Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with using semicolons, colons, M dashes, N dashes, whatever fun punctuation you find and like, and I do use all of those. But there are rules, my friends, for using those punctuations and the vast punctuation marks and the vast majority of the time that I see them from clients, not from my clients, actually, that's not true. But often when I see them used in self-publishing, they are used incorrectly. A semicolon, for example, is not just a replacement for any old comma. The better idea is to get a good grasp on how to use basic punctuation, which you probably already have. Even if you couldn't explain it to people, you're doing it automatically when you write emails, letters, things of that nature. You don't actually need to use those other things, those other punctuation marks, but many of my clients are already great writers when they come to me and they know how to use those punctuation marks just as well as I do. So I'm probably even better, but some of my clients are newer to the art and craft of writing and they have a choice. They can either avoid those punctuation marks, which are not necessary, or learn how to use them correctly. Plenty of great books, even classic books that you read in high school have been written without using one semicolon, no M dash, no N dash, none of the unusual punctuation marks. If you're not sure how to use them, either learn how to use them or decide not to use them. Tip number four, speaking of punctuation marks, unless you are writing dialogue in your book, you rarely need to use an exclamation mark. One of my coaching clients sent me a chapter from her memoir last week, and it was a drama-filled chapter. There was a huge family fallout and argument and a near fight in this chapter. They did not come to blows, thank goodness. But it was packed with exclamation marks. Here's the thing. She had written the story so well, the story from her life, that we got it. We got the, as, as readers, we would get the excitement and the drama. She did not need any of those exclamation marks. When you've written your content well, you've used strong verbs, you've used specific description, you don't need to slap us in the face with your with exclamation marks to make sure we get that there was drama. Now in dialogue, on the other hand, exclamation marks can work well and still should not be overused, but they can work well when someone is shouting or showing excitement. But outside of dialogue, they can actually make your work seem juvenile. And even if you're writing a children's book, you don't want your writing to seem like the work of a child. Yes, children's books can get away with more exclamation marks than your typical adult fare, but even there, you want to choose judiciously where you use them. Tip number five is to vary the length of your sentences. If all of your sentences are super short for 100 pages or more, unless you are a super talented and gifted writer who knows something that most of us don't, and you've been able to pull off some kind of artistic masterpiece, your writing is going to seem choppy and it will probably lack flow. If all of your sentences, on the other hand, are four lines long and we have to take a breath in the middle just to finish reading a sentence, you're going to exhaust your readers. An easy way to check for 
the length of your sentences and whether or not you need to combine some of the shorter ones or break up some of the longer sentences is to read your work out loud. Reading your work out loud will allow you to hear the rhythm of your sentences and make those decisions much more easily. And it will help you find a lot of other things in your work too that you probably wouldn't notice if you were just reading on the page or heaven forbid, just reading it on the screen. Obviously, I also encourage people to print out their work before, um, to print out their work as a part of the revision process and revise on paper as you get closer to finished. Tip number six is to go easy on those massive paragraphs. Now, I read books both on paper and on my Kindle app on a tablet. So when I see huge chunks, huge paragraphs, huge passages that are all one paragraph on a page, on a piece of paper, it's okay. I don't necessarily get excited about not having a break, but I don't get overwhelmed by the thought of it. But when I see it in an ebook, It's just a lot for my eyes to consume. We are looking at screens all day. And so it's probably probably would be better for me if I didn't read eBooks, but I can read them easily at night. I can get in bed with my tablet. I don't have to have a light on. If I fall asleep, my page will be saved. If I drop it, it's not going to (laughs) break. So it's an easy way for me to make sure I get some reading time. But if I'm reading and a digital version of your book, and I get to a huge passage, I am probably going to check out. Earlier this week, I downloaded a novel. I was excited about reading it. In fact, I was enjoying it. I was about maybe 20% of the way in, and I hit a page of solid text. So I thought, okay, I can just get through this page. I'll be okay. But then I swiped forward a few pages and the next several pages were that way. Now, sometimes when books are transferred into digital format, some of the formatting is lost. So that could have been the case, but I actually think this one was intentional on the author's part and it was just too painful for me. I checked out of that book and started reading something else. There are always options. I've got dozens and dozens. I don't even know how many books on my Kindle app so I can always switch to something new. You don't want to give readers a reason to switch to a different book or to the internet and give up on your book. I'm sure the author of that book had some important artistic reason for the lack of paragraph breaks, but the idea of reading four or five pages that were all one paragraph, one long unbroken paragraph was just too much for me. And I'm also sure I wasn't the only reader who checked out at that point. Remember that the people reading your book are going to be reading it in various formats. So that doesn't mean you have to break it down into tiny paragraphs, like one or two sentence paragraphs either. That's not necessary and it feels weird when you're reading a book that way. might work well online for blog posts or newsletters, but it's generally just too choppy, too broken for books. So you actually just want to be mindful of your paragraph length. So those are my tips for how to improve your grasp of the mechanics of writing and just write better. Tip number one was to get rid of phrases like I think, I believe, and I feel when you're communicating your ideas. You don't have to think or feel or believe them in your book. You can just say them. Tip number two was to eliminate double words like had, had. She had, had fun. 
take the time to rewrite that kind of sentence, your readers will thank you. Tip number three is to avoid unusual punctuation unless you know how to use it. And if you want to use it, just learn the rules. They're actually not that many. Tip number four is to minimize the use of exclamation marks outside of dialogue. You can communicate excitement, drama, anger, and all of those things just with your use of words. Tip number five is to vary the length of your sentences and reading out loud, your work out loud can actually help you make some decisions there. And tip number six is to be aware of paragraph length and keep in mind that your readers will be reading your book in various formats. I hope you found this helpful and I hope you are writing and moving forward and making progress on your book. If you did enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. I try to give as much helpful information as I can at no charge to any anyone. I want this to be the way that people can get the knowledge they need to write their book without having to pay a fee. And if they need more help, of course, they can always join me for coaching. But reviews in the meantime will help more people find the show. That's all for today. If you are listening to this while we are still in stay-at-home mode, I hope you and yours are all well and stay that way. Thanks for listening to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candice L. Davis, and I'll see you next time.